0: Canada's team is on the verge. It's the Yahoo Sports Hockey Podcast. Justin Cuthbert back with you. Yes, the Montreal Canadiens are one win away from reaching the Stanley Cup Final after a convincing, and I might say dominant, 4-1 victory over the Vegas Golden Knights in Game 5. It was supposed to be rocking in Vegas, but the Canadians have met no arena that they can't suck the life out of, at least this season. Uh, they silenced Vegas and its crowd with another dominant defensive effort, more opportunistic counteroffense, and brilliant goaltending from Carey Price. What else would we expect at this point? It's the tried and true recipe, and it all makes sense, even if it didn't at all three or four weeks ago. And I think, honestly, after this game, we could maybe – Describe it as Montreal's best so far in these playoffs. I, I really think it was their most complete effort, and maybe not by the numbers. I mean, Vegas actually, you know, won the expected goals battle and all that, but albeit barely. But I think the best way to gauge how good one team is playing is how they influence their surroundings. And I mentioned the silent crowd in Vegas, which actually booted its team off off the ice, or at moments in this game, their four year old team. That's been in the conference semifinals or NHL NHL semifinals for three of their four years of existence. They were booed off the ice or at periods in periods at this game, but it wasn't just what, what they did with the crowd. And that is a good tell of how things are going, but it's what they did to the golden Knights themselves. I mean, how often do you see Mark stone slamming his stick off the boards and then slamming the door closed once he got onto the, onto the bench. And, you know, those moments of frustration, those bouts of, um, you know, personal, personal anger, or anger at, at his own game or deserved because honestly, it was another terrible performance from Mark Stone. I think he's culpable on two of the three goals that were not scored into an empty net on one. He just had that blatant, terrible turnover. And that's what led to the, the smashing and slamming on the bench. Uh, and then one other one, he just, you know, he took, took out his frustration, a big hit on Phil Deneau. And then he, was kind of just caught taking pictures of his moment standing over Phil Deneau. And he was late getting back to the bench. And guess what? The back checkers didn't get there in time to prevent Cole Caulfield from scoring a goal, but it's not just Mark stone. I mean, Shea Theodore is a guy we're talking about being an anchor on Canada's Olympic team. And he looks completely lost out there. Max Pacioretty stones line mate. He's looked terrible the entire series and did again tonight, although he did score the one goal, but even on his goal, He fumbled his first attempt and was just able to corral it because it was so bad that the puck didn't go anywhere. And then he was able to put the second shot in when the defense had shifted. But, you know, we're talking about three really important players. And then the second line has been terrible the entire series. So that's six key figures for the Golden Knights who just haven't been good. And why is that? At some point, we got to stop, you know, explaining Vegas's potential demise as self-inflicted and start giving Montreal some respect. And what Montreal is right now is stifling in its defensive structure. I wrote this week after their game four loss, and probably heaped the most praise I have on them in these entire playoffs after a loss, because in that loss, which was 2-1 in game four, to Vegas, of course, but it was their best game, maybe of the entire playoffs up until that point, and maybe they just eclipsed it now. But it was dominant and dominant and similar, similarly dominant to ones we've seen on the road to this point. There have been times in round one, in round two, and maybe here in round three as well, where it just looked like the tides turned completely, where Montreal just solidified itself as the best team, as the team that was going to take control and go on to win the series. And it looked that way in game four, even if the result didn't go their way. But what happened in game five it was a carbon copy of it. It was the same game, which makes me even feel stronger about the fact that Montreal has taken control. They've done in this series, it seems, what they did in round one and round two, which was finding or discovering a way to maximize their advantages. They have shut down the opposition. They're making it extremely difficult for the opposition to generate quality looks. And it's all because Montreal is just playing exceptionally strong defensive hockey and how do you take advantage of exceptionally exceptional defensive hockey well you counter you hit them on the counter and that's exactly what the montreal canadians are doing and they're doing exceptionally well it's remarkable how often we see montreal forwards streaking behind De- vegas defenders all three of their goals started with a defensive play first tonight two on clean zone exits where they just beat the Golden Knights defenseman to the net and then won right off a turnover in their own defensive half and hitting them back on the counter. Right now, the difference in this series is that the counter-attack style of Montreal is beating the heavy puck possession style of Vegas. One of them is way more effective than the other. And the reason for that, the reason why one is doing better than the other is because Montreal can defend in its own zone. They have the solution right now For the heavy puck possession style, while Vegas and players like Nick Holden and even Shea Theodore are having major issues when Montreal brings speed at them out of their own defensive zone. That is the difference in the series, is that Montreal's method of scoring goals is way more effective than Vegas's method of scoring goals. And that's because Montreal is doing a better job defending it. What Montreal is also doing is making better coaching decisions, which is interesting given that. Vegas actually has its coach of course Dominic Ducharme is dealing with a COVID-19 related absence he's contracted the virus and he's not going to be around for the foreseeable future here Um, but it hasn't stopped Montreal from doing what it does really well what Montreal does really well is rely on the players that they can comfortably rely on I mean we see a shorter a shorter bench with Montreal we see much Montreal's forwards, they roll them. I mean, they're, they're all doing a great job in their matchups. But when it comes to the defense core, they make sure that the right personnel is out there. It means a smaller bench, especially with those defensive pairings. Well, on the flip side, Vegas remains rigid with its six defenders in its four lines and continuing, more importantly, to play a guy like Nick Holden who continues to lose races in those transition moments. And, you know, the rigidity is not just with, you know, who he's playing and usage. It's with what he's got in terms of structure. And we saw, you know, graphic boards, and we, we know the numbers. Only two Vegas forwards had goals coming into this game. Now only three Vegas forwards have goals. That's 25%, and it's clearly not enough. The lines aren't working, and yet it took till the end of the second period for DeBoer to really switch anything up in the full blender for the third period. But they're already down 3 nothing at that point. That's just too insurmountable a climb for a team like Vegas who is having so much trouble penetrating the Montreal defense? Uh, it's crazy that the simple solution, which is Montreal's, is working so well, while the one that needs to adapt and has the ability to adapt, to adapt given that, you know, DeBoer is right there, uh, has failed to do so. But DeBoer's most questionable decision was certainly who he started in net. Uh, he went back to Marc Andre Fleury, which you know, in a vacuum doesn't seem like the wrong move. Marc-Andre Fleury played at a Vesna caliber level. He will be, uh, you know, he's going to be in the final, he's going to be a finalist for the Vesna trophy for the first time in his career. And he's been very, very good in the playoffs, mostly. But I think since the start of this series, he's looked largely shaky. He was shaky in game one of the series and he's been shaky throughout. And he wasn't that exceptional in this game either. I mean, uh, I, and it, it, he wasn't the reason they lost this game. I, I think that would be a mistake suggesting that. But would have been different with Robin Leonard net, Possibly, because Robin Leonard was the difference in game four. Robin Leonard was the reason why the Vegas Golden Knights won a game in which they were thoroughly outplayed, just like they were in game five. He was the difference in game four. He outplayed Carey Price. And after he did that and looked far better than Flurry in the previous three games, they went back to Flurry. Hard to understand that decision, especially with the context of Robin Leonard being the chosen guy from last year. He's the guy they wanted all along to be their workhorse in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And it all changed this year because Fleury played so well. But DeBoer has always leaned to Leonard, had the chance to lean to Leonard, and decided not to go with Leonard. Very strange more coaching faults for vegas center around the power play and i don't even know what to say about this group anymore because somehow it looks worse or looked worse in game five than it has been and it's been absolutely lifeless dating back to like 100 plus opportunities for them i mean it's been terrible since deep into the regular season and all throughout the playoffs i saw suggestions that you know, the reason why Vegas might not get through Montreal is because the power play has been so bad, and I completely disagree with that. But good Lord, would a power play goal for the Vegas Golden Knights go a long way. It is the elephant in the room. It is the point. It is at the point where they got on the ice, and you can see that their mind is racing and that they can't figure out what to, what to do. Like, it is a serious, serious issue. And just getting one, just to get the monkey off their backs, I think that would be huge for them. In other more positive news, based off this game, uh, this podcast is now a Cole Caulfield fan podcast. I mean, this player, this young guy who was in college just a couple months ago, is having so much fun on the biggest stage. I mean, he's just getting—he's just starting to get paid to play hockey, so he's not maybe jaded like everybody else who's been around this game for so long. But I'm not gonna—I'm not gonna assume that he's gonna be jaded and go that route in his life because this guy's smile can barely be contained by his face. He is just having the time of his life. And his reactions with teammates are just priceless. And, you know, after he scored the goal, just his reaction with Perry, who he doesn't get to play with often, but clearly he has a connection with. And it's just with everyone. It seems like every time Cole Caulfield is interacting with someone, they both have the biggest smile on their face possible. But that's the way with the entire team. I mean, if you watch Nick Suzuki and yes, Perry Kotkaniemi, in their post game, they must've shot a hundred smiles back and forth at each other. These guys like being teammates. They like what's going on right now. And that that affection for each other, that can go a long way. That's a big thing, I believe. Uh, if you play for each other, it's easier to win hockey games. And the Montreal Canadiens certainly like playing for one another. And why wouldn't you like playing with Cole Caulfield if you got the chance? When he did score his goal tonight, he had as many as the entire Vegas forward fleet at the time of his, uh, at the time of him hitting the back of the net Uh, Vegas, of course did get one in the game and they now lead Cole Caulfield four to three in the series, which obviously isn't saying much, but it came on an awesome feed from Perry. And I mentioned the reaction, like, if you just get this, the puck to Cole Caulfield in space, good things are going to happen. He is a rock star already. And it still seems clear that he's only finding his way in terms of being a regular goal scorer at the NHL level. I think he's got a lot more to give and it's very, very impressive already. Couple burning questions before we wrap this up and transition our thoughts to game six. I guess we'll do that with these burning questions ahead of game six. The first of which is will Celine Dion ever be allowed back in Quebec? Uh, The pop star who is obviously from Quebec was shown on the Jumbotron wearing Golden Knights tire, or at least pro-Vegas garb. Uh, and she was called a traitor by a Montreal newspaper, which was a bit hyperbolic, but funny and entertaining. Nonetheless, of course, I think Celine Dion uh, has a residency out there in Vegas and has every reason to cheer for Vegas. That's where she lives. But uh, and no, she didn't even have to live there to cheer for Vegas if she wants to. But traitor was uh, an interesting choice of words. Second... Will Phil Deneau have his pizza sponsorship secured by the end of game six? I mean, of course, he's going to have a pizza on hand, but he's got to start getting paid for this soon, no? More importantly, though, I think we th- the big question going into game six is who starts in goal for Vegas. I mean, I've talked about it, how Fleury's been shaky. Leonard's been great in his one appearance of this series. Maybe the best performance of any goaltender in this series belongs to Robin Leonard. And yet there's no guarantee that he's going to be a net. But if I'm Pete DeBoer, uh, I know which goaltender I'm putting in. Also for Vegas, can anyone else follow Alex Petrangelo's lead? I mean, I mentioned the big guys that are struggling, but that list does not include Petrangelo, who's been really, really good for Vegas. He looks like the only guy who can solve the Montreal Rubik's Cube. And if anyone else wants to join him, then Vegas might have a chance in this series. But expecting him, who has three goals... And was just, had just as many as the Vegas forwards before the patch ready goal tonight. Like, he can't do it alone. He needs some help out there. But at least he's holding up his end of the bargain. And lastly, will Montreal be celebrating a berth into the Stanley Cup final on a holiday in the province? Yes, it's St. John Baptiste Day, which means everyone will be off work and heavily hydrated before game six and during and after. And it could be the party of the century. It could be the best party since well before the pandemic if Montreal advances to the Stanley Cup final on a holiday in the province of Quebec. Wouldn't that be something? We talk about scenes. There would be many of them if Montreal is indeed able to punch their ticket into the Stanley Cup final on Thursday night. I can't believe I'm saying that, but I'm believing it more and more as I watch the Montreal Canadiens continue to dominate on their path towards an NHL championship series. We will leave it there. I cannot wait for game six. Either way, it's going to be fascinating what happens because we'll see maybe the unlikeliest Stanley Cup final berth in a very, very long time with the 18th best team in the regular season getting to the championship series, or Vegas will have the opportunity to bring it back home one more night in Vegas to get that crowd going again in Montreal will have the chance to silence another barn because they've been playing inside, other than their recent home games, in silent arenas all season long. What a story this is. Canada's team, maybe maybe they were pretty smart putting the CN Tower in red, white, and blue because at least that was a smart front-running move given the trajectory that Montreal is on. We shall see if they can finish the job in game six on Thursday night.